me just read to you today's word from Exodus 15. We are beginning a new series now on some of the names given to our God. Exodus 15, verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water, because it was bitter. That is why this place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. <clears throat> there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them, and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commandments, and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Amen. <clears throat> so loving God, we come once again to your words. Take away from us any sense of the mundane, but fill us with awe as we dip into it now. And then open our senses, our eyes, our ears, our hearts to what you might say. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> so we are beginning this uh, new kind of mini-series, I think, uh, this morning, looking at some of these names uh, that are given to God, and today we are looking at uh, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I'll come back to Jehovah Rapha in a moment, but <clears throat> I just want to talk about that, that great miracle, perhaps the greatest miracle that's in the Old Testament one that most of you know only too well. It's such a great story. And our reading uh, begins when that miracle has just taken place and the Israelites have crossed over the Red Sea, through the Red Sea, to freedom and safety. God has wonderfully parted the water of the sea and the, and the Israelites were able to cross over, across that dry seabed, and we think we can imagine that. You get that picture in your mind that we can't really imagine it. I don't know. I think they, they crossed. It would have been many miles. It wasn't just a river. It was the Red Sea. At its narrowest, it's, it's quite a few miles. There were two million of them, roughly, maybe a bit more than that. Men, women, little children, babies, the old, the infirm all their stuff, their possessions, their carts, their livestock. It would have taken a long time. God had already sent plagues, uh, hadn't he, to the Egyptians. He'd organized that Passover night and gave specific and detailed instructions on what the Israelites were to do to effect their escape. His man on the ground then just led them away and they'd arrived on the shore of the Red Sea, frightened for their lives because they knew the Egyptian army were hot on their tails, they had no, nowhere to go and, and that's when that miracle came which not only saved the whole nation of Israel but destroyed uh, the Egyptian army as the waters covered over them as they tried to follow. <clears throat> so then they get across <clears throat> the other side, the east side, the side where they were safe 
and they had a party. The Bible doesn't actually say they had a, a party. It's not quite there, but it's almost there. And they would have been because they, were, they, they have just been saved. Their lives have been spared. They were euphoric. Can you imagine? They would have been so relieved. They had so much to celebrate. They were free. They were completely free. And God had shown himself wonderfully to them. Things would never be the same again. And we do actually read, uh, just before the bit where we started there, that passage, that there was music and there was singing. So there was really a party. And I can imagine that Moses had a real struggle to get them moving, to pull them away, because they just had to keep going. But he got them uh, to be on the move, and we catch up with them in this reading three days on, when they are tired and thirsty, because they haven't yet found any water which was drinkable, and they arrive at Mara, and the water there in that river was bitter and not drinkable. So, the Israelites were moaning and groaning and grumbling, which I think is a bit strange because I know they're thirsty, fair enough. But it was just three days since the most amazing thing that has ever happened to any of them. And God is gracious. He listens to their moans and their groans and he takes it all in his stride and he does two things. Firstly, he deals with the water problem. And he says to Moses to throw that piece of wood or bit of tree into the river and that transformed that water uh, miraculously into clean, sweet-tasting, refreshing, life-giving water. So that was that dealt with. The Israelites were relieved. They were happy with that. They were grateful to God. And then God issues them with this instruction. And he says to them in verse 26, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I've brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. I just want to take a moment to really tell you what I think is going on here with, with these Israelites, because they've been in Egypt, kind of trapped there, for 430 years, we're told. 430 years, which if that was us now, and this is the day that we have escaped from it all, we would have been away since the Tudor times, since Queen Elizabeth I's reign. That was 430 years ago. Can you imagine, then, if that was us, if we were a, a nation that had been shipped off to our neighbouring country, France, say, because they're next door, aren't they, really? 430 years ago, and we came back today. What would, what would, what would we have been like? We'd have been speaking French, for one thing, <laughs> eating too much garlic, going on strike every other day. That's why they're in. <laughs> Sorry, France, no offence. But but, so there's a lot, there would be a lot of French in us, and there is a lot of Egypt in these Israelites. They've only known the Egyptian way of life. Their ancestors had only known the Egyptian way of life as far back as they could remember. And this way of life was a long way from the life that God wanted the Israelites to have. The Egyptians worshipped 
loads and loads of different gods for different reasons. Different gods, different goddesses, idols, animals, birds. They, they worship cats. We had a cat. We loved our cat, but we wouldn't have worshipped cat. They engaged in magic, in slavery, slavery on a massive scale, cruelty, superstition. The kind of central thing, I suppose, would be that they, they believed that when a person's life was over, they would carry on living in an underworld. That's why they buried lots of stuff with them. Tutankhamun's burial chamber, as a matter of interest, contained several chariots, changes of clothing, toys, food, including what would have been then fresh meat, wine, oils, through a couple of suits of armour, etc. In, in, in his burial chamber, there were approaching 6,000 different items because he needed them, because he carried on living uh, underground, as it were. And the Israelites were immersed in this way of life and culture. And it was a sinful way of life. And it's against that backdrop that God gave that instruction. Or, if you read it again, it's a bit like a deal. He's offering them a deal. If I just paraphrase it and, and remind you again, if you listen to me, God says to them, look at me. Do what is right in my eyes. Do as I say. Obey my laws. Focus on me now, not them, not the Egyptians. And I will heal you instead. Incidentally, the meaning of the word Rapha, the God who heals, didn't refer necessarily to the healing in the conventional sense. Although it could do, it does as well, but it means other things. We know that God heals, we, all of us. All of us can, can look back in our lives and know there were times when God has healed us or answered our prayers. We know that Jesus went through the Gospels healing people miraculously of various diseases and conditions. But this Rapha can also mean to restore to put things right, to just fix things. That's another way of using the word Rafa. You know, there's this program on the, <clears throat> on the TV that I just occasionally look at. It's called The Repair Shop. It's really very good. You know, they, they bring stuff and, and it could be something that's an heirloom and it's, it's had better days and they want to bring it back to its new condition because it's got sentimental value. And all of these experts, these craftspeople, they, they do that, they fix it. That's Rafa. That would be Rafa. That's the use of the word. So a rate for God to have arranged their escape from Egypt, the Israelites, for the parting of the Red Sea, providing the clean water. <clears throat> he would go on to give them bread for every day of their travels when they needed it. All of that is Rafa, healing. So... For the Israelites then, everything has been made wonderfully clear. God has told them the way it is going to be. He has saved them from their oppressors. He set them free. He's shown them that he can do the impossible. He's done it twice in the last few days. He can be trusted. And now they're under new management 
from a God who cares for them and loves them, all good, all very good. So what, what would happen next? I'll tell you what happened next. If we go on three verses from God giving them that instruction, that deal, that promise, three verses. We've moved on into the next chapter, but we're three verses away. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if, if only we'd died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out here in the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. The joy didn't last very long for the Israelites. In fact, they did grumble and complain an awful lot. They did it for a living, really. As you go through the whole of these 40 years that they were on the road, as it were, they did an awful lot of grumbling and their relationship with God seemed to go down and then God would bring it up. Then they would misbehave and they'd moan. It would go down and then up. They really tried God's patience throughout and he wasn't always gracious. And it can happen in these days. It can happen uh, now, I think, back to coming here with Shirley and a few of our friends um, four and a half years ago. And I think we felt a bit like refugees um, from a difficult situation, really, for us. I think we all felt a bit miserable and a bit down. But immediately we got here. We had a good feeling coming to St. Michael's and discovering you lot. We were made so welcome. And the teaching was good, the worship was good. We knew we'd come to the right place, the right church, so we were back up again. That was good. We were up there and we saw God in it all. But within a few months, COVID came. We couldn't come to church. We'd only just started coming to church, but we couldn't come. Well done to Tom and all the other leaders and the worship team. We, we were able to, you know, do it all brilliantly on, on Zoom and all that. But we really wanted to be here. We weren't here. We were sort of down there again. We were a bit miserable. But then we could come back, up and down. We could come back, and everything got better. St. John's church plant happened. Some went there, some others came here, and everything was great. Till the boiler broke. <laughs> Remember that? The winter of discontent and chillblains. That <laughs> tested us all. And I do seem to remember there was a fair bit of grumbling. I was there, I was in it. But we've had great times since, since then. New boiler, Christchurch, going well, coming on stream, and there have been some loads of wonderful things that we can just praise God for in these last months and years. But then, you know, there's been things. We, we've got past that wonderful Christmas season, and uh, we've had a couple of staff members leaving and going on to other things, and we understand all that, we get all that. Money's a bit tight out there and, and also in here, we know that. And, there, and there'll be another little thing, that other issues as well, perhaps literally sent to try us. And we could be forgiven for feeling a bit down again. And so it goes on. So maybe it's time for a bit of uh, honest navel-gazing. Just ask yourself rhetorically this question. Are you a glass-half-full person? or a glass half empty person? Are you a complainer or a grumbler? You might say that you're not, but others might say that you are. I'll just tell you that. 
It may be. Or do you see, rather, do you see the good in everything? Do you trust God whatever the circumstances? See the positive spin all the time. Somebody once said, we need to stop seeing God through our circumstances. We need to start seeing our circumstances through God. That seems to make a lot of sense to me. The Israelites, we see, are decidedly glass half empty people. They were never satisfied. They had just witnessed God destroy the greatest army in the world at that time. They'd watched as he made that path clear for them through the sea. And they praised the Lord then with their singing, but it didn't take long. And it didn't take much to get them complaining again. They were an utterly miserable bunch. <clears throat> we can be like that. Not present company accepted and all that stuff. But when things are going well, when we're on the mountaintop, church is good, life is good, spiritually everything's good, hands are being raised, prayers are being prayed, the singing goes up a notch, there's a skip in our step, all is good. <clears throat> but when the trials come our way, the big trials and the little trials, I think you can sense the change, <clears throat> it kind of brings a cloud over things, a little bit of dissatisfaction being expressed, people talking in corners, a bit of a cloud descends on the whole place. But that's not what God wants for us, is it? We should be giving him the glory in every situation. If we're on the mountaintop, we should praise him for that. If we're down in the valley, we should thank him for joining us there and being faithful to us. That's right, isn't it? Ephesians 5 said we should always be giving thanks to God, our Father, for everything. Philippians 4, you know this well. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. With God, with God, there is it seems to me always a purpose in the down times, the low times. We are never abandoned. <clears throat> Job lost everything. But if he hadn't, he'd have never known that God could restore him to his original station and then give him far more than he'd ever had before. <clears throat> the thief on the cross, couldn't be in a worse situation than he was in. He was just about to, to die. He was in pain. He was hanging there alongside Jesus. But he was blessed. Up he came in those last minutes with that promise of eternal life. If Lazarus hadn't died, he wouldn't know what it would be to, to come back to life again. Not only is the Bible full of examples like that, but our lives, our lives are also filled with those times when we can look back over our shoulder to a bad time, a difficult time, dark time, and see the good that sprang from it. That happens. This is the work of the God who heals. Just let me take a moment before we finish, just to remind us of some of the ways that Jehovah Rapha, God who heals, can come to our aid and our distress and bring that healing. This passage is the first um, of the 67 times that the name Jehovah Rapha is used in scripture. 
And, and most obviously, it, it's about the sort of conventional healing that we all pray for in, a, in one time or another, physical healing and so on. But we can also ask God for other healing. He can heal relationships. We can ask him to heal relationships both in our families and maybe even in places like here. It's quite possible there, are, there can be strained relationships in a, in, a, in a family this size that we are, our big church family. God can restore those relationships. He wants to. We need to ask him to get involved. We can talk to Jehovah Rapha about our financial affairs. I don't know if that surprises you, but we can talk to him about money. Because there are no limitations with God, are there? No, no, no restrictions of the things that we can talk to him about and pray about. If our faith is struggling, if we are struggling, struggling in here, struggling at home, if we are sort of sense that we are losing it, if we've been tested, we've found wanting, you're really struggling, Jehovah Rapha is simply the Lord who heals, wants to heal. If you've been burdened by your own sin and, and you know it well and it's, it's weighing you down, you, you know, you're in good company. King David struggled, didn't he, with that? You want to you read Psalm 51 or Psalm 103 and just look at David's prayer. Ask God to heal his, his sin. And God did. You, and of course you may have many memories that you struggle to deal with. Your past may keep up with you and it's not pleasant. Jehovah Rapha wants to heal all of that. Talk to him. You know there's no limit. You know there's no situation, there's no pain, there is no hurt, there is no sin, no sadness, no worry that is beyond God's reach or his ability to heal. He wants to be your Jehovah Rapha and mine. And you know that you can just simply talk to God. In fact, you can... Ask a friend if you can't, if you have, don't have the words, you, you'll have a friend that will just in confidence pray that prayer for you. And you know too that we have a prayer team that comes and joins us here at the front. Somebody would be pleased to speak to God on your behalf. So let me pray with you now. Loving God, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for being out all-sufficient God. Lord, forgive us for those times when we grumble and we complain, when we don't appreciate all that you do for us. Lord, for one reason or another, all of us need your healing for our health, physical, spiritual, emotional health, for our mental well-being, for other things that you know are causing us worry, causing us stress. Lord, you know we are scarred people. We need you sometimes to help us to help ourselves. Perhaps, Lord, we need you to show us what to do or give us the words to say. It may be that we 
need you to give us the strength to say that we're sorry or to deal with the past. God, our Heavenly Father, you are Jehovah. You have healed countless millions of people through the sacrifice of your Son on the cross. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the healing of our sin. Lord, with you we know that anything and everything is possible. Accept our prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen.